Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies and their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Cooper Revenge is coming. This is my town. Oh, no, which is, I would love you, to do a James Bond podcast. I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> and he's like, it's Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Yes, sir. You'll please keep singing. I can add it to Forgotten Blue. If this is it, <laughs> I want to know for sure. Are we recording? Yes, we are. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Fields. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons, was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up, man? Nothing. Nothing. Just chilling. Nice. 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 Uh, I wasn't paying attention to what you were saying, so sorry. That's right. As soon as I saw you pick up your phone, I had to silence my phone. I was like, <laughs> oh, well. Your phone went off, though. <clears throat> I heard your phone go off with the with the Star Trek. Or not the Star Trek. With Darth Vader's. Uh... I didn't even hear that. Oh, I heard it. You got, you got a text, bro. <laughs> Uh, that's that's in that's emails. Ah, uh, okay, excellent. So, um, all right. So, we're, actually, we're towards the end of uh, this is episode nine, right? Wow. Yeah, and it's, we're it's, recording this in April. <laughs> I know it's gone fast, man. We're I know I I keep getting yelled at by my not by yelled at, but just made fun of when I'm when I say when we have to double up and we lose our ten week cushion, like we always like to brag gotta about keep that cushion, man. I get I, you know like oh you got like oh so it's eight weeks you gotta go it's like I gotta get to ten. Ten's the the benchmark. It's the magic number. It is the magic number. <laughs> All right. So we are doing the movie Begin Again, or as it's so awfully titled on my Roku when I tried to find it, which was Can a Song Save Your Life? I hate that title. I wrote that title. That is awful. Right? Like that <laughs> was the that title. was the original title of the movie. And I remember doing the notes because I had this week I actually did the notes before I watched the movie, which I don't like to do, but I had to just because of circumstances. And I noticed that I saw that title in the in the notes and I was just like, that's 
Oh, thank God they changed it. And then I'm searching <laughs> for it on Roku going, begin again, boop, 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 begin again, boop, 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 begin again. I go, what the heck? So nowhere on Roku is it? it listed no. As, not on any no. of the server. That's so dumb. So then I, I, then I started, what did I do? I don't know how I found it. Uh, I don't know by Mark Ruffalo or Kieran. I, or I don't know what I just, Oh, I, I, you know what? I searched it begin again, actually, uh, you know, in the, with, you know, typing it out. Right. And as it listed out that name of the, the movie was there. Kenya song. So I go, are you kidding me? It was so ridiculous. So I'm going to call it begin again. So if you see it as it's called Kenya song, save your life, this is the movie begin again. Ignore the, that title because that title stinks. So, <laughs> so let me give you a synopsis and then we'll get into the movie. Uh, Greta and her songwriting partner slash lover, Dave, head for New York when he lands a record deal with a major label. However, Greta is suddenly left on her own when Dave gives into the temptations that come with his newfound success. Things take a turn for the better for her when Dan, a disgraced record executive, discovers Greta performing in a club. A mutually life-changing bond forms between the pair as they work together on Greta's first album. This synopsis is a little misleading because the story is told a little bit nonlinear. So it's, it kind of starts off with Dan first and then it goes, no, well, it all has Greta's performance and then it goes to Dan. So it kind of goes back and forth a little bit. Only at the beginning, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like the Greta Dave thing is not really, that, that was a lot of backstory uh, when we first, when we see it in the movie, that's how it's presented, I guess. I don't know how you felt that it was presented, but We'll get into all that. Let me get into the facts. Begin Again has a runtime of 104 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $8 million. It was released on Friday, July 11th, 2014. At opening weekend, it did $134,000. Uh, <laughs> but domestic did $16 million. Worldwide did $65 million. That's not bad for an $8 million movie. The $8 million movie, it was made for $8 million. It was sold to the Weinstein Company for distribution for $7 million. So they made their money back and, and more. Uh, you had a bunch of production companies, exclusive media, Sycamore Pictures, Black Label Media, Likely Story, and Apatow Productions. Obviously, that's Judd Apatow and distributed by the Weinstein Company, like I said. Uh, on July 11th, it went up against Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So, yeah. <laughs> that movie. That's the first one, right? Uh, yes. No, that's no, Gary Oldman. The first one. Gary Oldman. Right, Dawn. Yeah. yeah. What's the last one? Um, it's rise, it's dawn, rise, battle, dawn, and battle or fight. war, war, war for the planet right. of the apes. That's the wars with Woody Harrelson. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it also, you had a limited release boyhood and a long way down. I should say before I start off that this was the wide release of the film, uh, begin again. It's limited release was June 27th. Then it was wide on the 11th of July. Then I had a re-release on August the 29th, just to give you a little Kind of a little background there. On the 18th of July, after the week it came out wide, you had Planes, Fire, and Rescue, Sex Tape. I've seen Planes, Fire, and Rescue. I've also seen Sex Tape, unfortunately. And The Purge Anarchy. That's the one where they're trying to kill the senator, right? Or the yes. congresswoman? Yep. Okay. And then in a limited run, Wish I Was Here. So the week before is obviously the holiday weekend. So you had July 2nd, you had Tammy, which was the uh, Melissa McCarthy. I don't know which one that is. That's the one where she's living with her mom or something. Isn't Tammy the one where she steals? That's uh, identity. I think oh, that's, that's identity, identity crisis or identity yeah. theft or whatever. So, and it, oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So then you had Earth to Echo and Delivers from Evil, which is a horror movie. And I'm looking at those and I'm going, those aren't really great July 4th releases because that's a July 4th. Movie. Oh, yeah. That's, that's not a really yeah. a big action film. So then it went back a little bit further to the 27th of June. You had Transformers Age of Extinction. Is that the one with the dinosaurs, the Dinobots? Yes. Okay. All right. 
So they blend together now. I don't. I don't know. They're all bad. bad. <laughs> Begin again was written and directed by John Carney. He has done Sing Street, which we did here on the episode of uh, Forgotten Cinema. He also did Once, which we've talked about a lot of times. Uh, the TV show Modern Love, which was on Amazon, and he's actually he's got a new movie coming out soon. I don't know if they started shooting or they're in pre-production. It's Russ and Roger Go Beyond, which is about Roger Corman and no, excuse me, it's about Roger Ebert uh, and. Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, Russ, obviously, making Beyond the Valley of Dolls. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Cinematography by Yaron Orbach. He did Fun Size, The Deuce, The TV Show, and The Ten. Composer is Greg Alexander. He's actually the lead singer for The New Radicals. He composed most of the music that you hear in this movie. Um, you get what you give. <laughs> <laughs> edited by Andrew Marcus. He's done. Uh, he's edited Howard's End, The Remains of the Day, and When in Rome, to name a few. Then, obviously, we talked about Judd Apatow as a producer. This is 40, the 40-year-old version, and the TV show Undeclared. Tobin Armburst, another producer. He's done Parkland, a, a Walk Among Tombstones, and The Woman in Black. I believe he's done the sequel to that movie as well. And then Anthony Bregman, who's done The Upcoming In the Heights, Downhill, and The Circle. So you have Mark Ruffalo as Dan. Uh, he has been nominated for an Oscar for Spotlight, Foxcatcher, and The Kids Are All Right. He's obviously also in the Marvel movies as Bruce Banner. Karen Knightley as Greta. She has been nominated for two Oscars, The Imitation Game and Pride of Pride and Prejudice, excuse me. And then she's also obviously in Love Actually and then the Pirates movies. Catherine Keener as Miriam. She was nominated for Oscar in Capote, being John Malkovich. She's also in Get Out and The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Adam Levine as Dave, for all you Maroon 5 fans out there. Um, he did not receive payment for this movie. He declined to be paid for this film. Really? And, yeah. And also, what's funny is that now we have wrapped up all of the movies that uh, Adam Levine has been in because we did Popstar. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one. Uh, James Corden as Steve. He, uh, obviously, everyone knows him from, well, most people know him from the Late Late Show uh, with James Gordon, but he's also been in One Chance, unfortunately, Cats. And he was the TV, he was the creator of the BBC TV show Gavin and Stacey, as well as being in there, writer. I think that was his, like, his thing. Haley Steinfeld as, or Steinfeld, excuse me, as Violet. She's nominated for an Oscar for her role in True Grit. She's also in Bumblebee, probably the only Transformers movie I like. Pitch Perfect 2 and the upcoming TV show Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus. Uh, yes and Bay or Most Deaf is Saul. He plays Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Cadillac Records, and Be Kind Rewind. Rob Morrow as CEO. I don't know. I have Rob Morrow. He has a really quick cameo role. <laughs> uh, he's in the TV show Northern Exposure and Quiz Show. He's a real douche in this movie. Oh, yeah. And then obviously CeeLo Green as Troublegum. Uh, he's pretty much paying himself almost, but he's just a different name. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just call him Zelo. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess that would have been too meta. Maybe, maybe. So I did say just a couple more facts. I did talk about how it's limited release and re-release date. It actually premiered on September 7th, 2013 at TIFF, at Toronto International Film Festival. That's where it was acquired for $7 million, And then it screened at Tribeca Film Fest in April 26, 2014. It also has a nomination for an Academy Award for Best Original Song, which is Lost Stars. And finally, it had a 23-day shoot. I don't know why I have that in there. Oh, because you know what? I thought it was like a 15-day shoot, and I was doing the math wrong. But they shot over the summer uh, in, I want to say, 2013 then. That would make sense, right? Or 2012? I didn't look that up, but that's my bad. All right, Butler. You never saw this movie. I did see this movie. I get the impression you don't like this movie. So let me hear it. Oh, no. I told you that to throw you off. Oh, okay. I, I really like yeah. this movie Good. a lot. This is a great movie. If you didn't like this movie... <laughs> I was going to be like, what's wrong with you? No, this is a great movie. Um, well, like you said, we talk about Once a lot, and I really love Once. And we watch Sing Street, and I really love Sing Street. And this movie, again, is a great movie. And I'm kind of sad when you were saying that John Carney's working on the Roger Ebert thing, because I I really like his musical or his music-inspired uh, films. Right, yeah. I, I really like those. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is a, a fantastic film. I really enjoy the relationship between Dan and Greta. I really enjoy the story. I enjoy the 
the look of the film, the way they film New York. Yeah. And I enjoy that. It's just a, it's just a nice movie. This is a nice <laughs> movie. You can't watch this movie without smiling. Exactly. This yeah. movie makes you feel good. It's not a romance. It's not really a comedy. It's not really a drama. It's just the category would be nice. <laughs> well, they do kind of toe that line, which uh, in terms of Greta and Dan almost getting together, which I think right. is, you can't ignore that because obviously they, they there's a connection there, but it's, you know, uh, it's almost like they need to be shown by external forces, whether it's uh, Steve breaking them up. And, hey, guys, what are you doing here? Yeah. Or just kind of like s- situations where it's like where it breaks that moment because it, it would be a mistake for them to be together. And it makes absolute sense because he still right. loves his wife and it makes absolute sense that they would have those strong emotions to each other. But it ends up becoming like a really good friendship. Right. Right. It's a Harry Miss Sally situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they do. Like you said, I think they do a really good job of having New York be a character in the movie. Like it's, there's an affinity to New York that uh, Dan's character that that Dan has uh, to it. And he he talks about it often. Uh, I mean, I really like, there's a lot of conversations. There's a lot of dialogue in here that really hits home. Like I really like that idea. The idea of how he's talking about music just makes the banality of life that much better where you can put a soundtrack to the, to, to life and what you're looking at and you get those little pearls and he talks about how there's less and less pearls these days. Yeah. You got to keep pulling on the string to get. The right. Pearls. I thought that, I thought, I thought that was an awesome, awesome, like, you know, bit of dialogue there in it, but he's right. Cause if you just sit there, but if you put your headphones on, you just start watching something, the, the music makes what you're watching. It enhances it that much more. I don't know where, I guess since you liked it, then I guess this is going to be, I'll tell you, oh, you know I'm what? sorry. Did I mess that up? Hold no, on. No, 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 this no. movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I do want to ask you this because I, this is the first time I read this note and it kind of ticked me off because I hate when I hear this stuff. Okay. And the fact that they didn't, Carney and Karen, they did not get along. Oh, I read but, that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I have a quote here where he was talking about, he was, he was on the junket for Sing Street and he was talking about this movie and he was like, he was saying how it was just nice to make a movie without uh, a Hollywood, without a supermodel, which was referencing nightly. Right. But he also has a quote where he's like, it's not like I hate the Hollywood thing, but I like to work with curious, proper film actors as opposed to movie stars. And I learned that I'll never make a film with a supermodel again. And then he recanted all that. But then they asked nightly right. about it. And she's like, she accepted his apology, but she wasn't surprised because they didn't get along. I can't stand watching a movie that's so feel good. And then you just realize that it's like, like people didn't get along on the set. Right. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. It, it made no sense. Like she was a bad actor. She had a bad entourage. It's just like yeah, she's bad actress. She's great in this movie. Yeah, she's really good in this film. She learned she learned guitar for this movie. It'll burn your bridges, John Carney. Come on. Yeah, that's her singing. I mean, they dub her over in the scenes, but that's her singing. Right. It's good. She did yeah. all that. Yeah. That's that. That's when you when you find out that she sang all the songs. That it's she her performing. Yeah. yeah. It's like you can't. It just it adds to your enjoyment of the film. So I don't see how. I, I just reading this comment from Carney is just kind of like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah. No, you didn't like her. Okay. Yeah. She did a good job in your movie though. Yeah, exactly. Come Why on. would you like, you, you don't sit back and watch that film and go, we really did a good job, but you know, let me, let me, let me crap on her now because yeah. of that. Yeah. I really didn't like her. So let me, uh, let me, uh, let me go around now and see how bad she sucks and stuff like that. It's just, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Mark Ruffalo also is just, Really, really good. Like he's really good. Listen, I know everybody loves him in the Marvel films and I know everybody loves him as Bruce Banner and that's fine. He's funny, but he, that is not his element. His element is a movie like this is an indie film. He's great in spotlight. He's fantastic. And you can count on me with Laura Linney. He's he, he his indie work. And he actually has a couple of really good HBO films where he's just, that's the Mark Ruffalo. I like 
that's the Marvel I want to see. It's nice that he's right. in the Marvel movies, but I don't really care about those. Um, and I, like, like those are popcorn. Those are just, you know, like, Hey, I saw it. Let's move on. I like his stuff in these type of films, the smaller films. Right. No, like he's really, really great playing. He toes the line. Like when you first see him, he's this, he's this drunk, you know, he's down on his luck, but he's never unlikable. No. The only time he's unlikable for me is when he busts into the, the meeting and he's, and they're like talking about doing like the idea is it's his record companies. Right. Like, terrible, terrible. Hate it. Hate it. Like that was just a little like, Oh, come on, man. Stop. But when well, he's he talking adult, about the yeah. audio comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause he wants to, cause uh, I guess streaming's becoming a big thing. This right. 2013. Yep. So yeah, it was becoming a thing and they're all afraid of it. Um, what's it called? Um, they're trying to make the, money. What's the record label called? Distressed media. Distressed media. Yeah. Distressed records. Right, something, something like that. Like that. Distressed something. And I guess, uh, Dan and Saul had talked about audio tracks a long time ago and decided it was stupid because the artist doesn't want to talk about it and right. no one's going to want to listen to it. And here they are kind of like grasping at straws. So he's basically like, come on, we don't want to, do, we just have to find more of these, like the pearls. We have to find artists. And stuff he like wants that. to still discover artists. And Saul basically is like, I have to, you know, put, have to get money to put, to keep the lights on. Right. Basically saying they're not making any money. And it's almost like Saul has gotten to a point where he doesn't want to go out and do that legwork. He would just rather, you know what I mean? It's like he, they've changed. Right. Much. Yeah. He's become more of a company man. Yeah. And Dan is still like that agent yeah. trying to get talent. And then like they, 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 they fired Dan or Dan. I don't know. I don't know how they fired Dan. Cause it's his company. They never really it say makes no it. sense. Yeah. Like it doesn't, is that a board of directors that they're having a meeting? They kind of, they kind of blow over it. It basically he's out, but I like, when he's trying to leave and he's trying to get his client list, he's like, don't talk to her. This isn't Jerry Maguire. I like that line. Yeah. I wrote that down. <laughs> they signed with us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, a couple of things. One of the things I like, well, I, I actually hold up. So in the beginning of the movie, she's playing and nobody's paying attention to her. And all I could think about when she's in the bar is all I can think about, like that's on brand with, you know, classic, you know, New York city bar crowd and just not caring about anyone but themselves. Oh, for you know sure. I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like, Yep, man, like, like I, I, I can see that, and I like how they keep going back to the bar in terms of because it's like we talked about. I said in the beginning, it's non-linear, right? So, like, you have her story, you have her opening, and you have Dan leading up to there. Then you go back to her leading up to the leading up to the bar scene. But I really like when he's in the bar and he's watching her perform and he's envisioning the arrangements. See, I really like that too, but they'd never do that again, and I don't. Well, I don't know if I like that they don't come back to it. Well, I th because he says that he's got to be drunk to really kind of like see, see that. that yeah. and, I, and there's really no other moment where that's going to come. I understand what you're saying, but there's really no other moment. Because he finds her, so he doesn't need to do that. Right. Anymore. Right. Because here's the other, here's the other thing. Within this type of movie, he's, he's a drunk, but he's not, they never say he's an alcoholic. They just say he's obviously depressed and he's. Oh, right, right. right. Well, he even says, yeah, he had had a nervous breakdown. Right. Right. Uh but they never have that moment in the in the movie where you inevitably have him stumble or him do something where he's like he gets drunk one night and screws up and uh, screws right, up. right 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 and I, and part of me is like am I conditioned to expect that because it's always in every movie it's got it's like that Holly, cliche classic right. Hollywood drunk yeah so I'm actually glad I don't have that like it's right like I am completely okay with this movie just being happy and just being kind of like oh for you know, sure you know yeah. what I mean because because his his main obstacle is not any of that. His main obstacle is, is connecting with his daughter, which I think they do a great job of and connecting, reconnecting with his wife a little. He still obviously loves his wife. She loves him. There's that, you know, they talk about like what happened. Right. 
which is really crappy. Like how, like they ended up breaking yeah, up. That's, oof. Um, for those who don't know, like he talks about how, uh, his wife who was played by Catherine Keener, uh, was on a junket. She's a journalist and she had an affair and the, the guy and her are going to be like, we're going to go home. We're going to tell our sleeping for others. That's it. We're out. We're done. We're going to go move in together. She does that. She goes home and tells him she waits. And the guy never, never calls her never back, calls yeah. her back because the guy chickened out. But then at that point it was just like, it, it kind of set off a hand grenade in the, in the relationship. So, Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm leaving. <laughs> exactly. And oh, wait, to, yeah. <laughs> speaking of that, is there a worse way to tell your girlfriend you cheated on her? Oh my God. Song? No. The, the song go where ahead, it's like, yeah. this is so Dave played by Adam Levine comes back from doing a, a tour in LA or a, like a meeting he, in LA. He was going to do, um, he was going to do some recording sessions or he was just out in LA right. for meetings, but then he recorded. Yeah. So he, he went out with his team, which included, uh, May or Mim, 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 Mim. Mim. uh, who is a, a publicist, a I guess. Personal assistant yeah. publicist. She worked for the brand worked for, for the, the brand. label. Yeah. yeah. So they go over to LA. Greta stays behind in New York. Dave comes back and goes, Oh, I wrote a new song. You want to hear it? And it's how about how, like I, I learned I learned to love you like here in the sunny weather like this and all, all this dialogue. I'm like, why would you play this for like, oh my God. Yeah, and then, yeah. so of course Greta slaps him in the face. Yeah. And he goes, gets, how'd you know? Yeah. And he, yeah, <laughs> and he, he admits he, it. He admits it. He, you, she can tell cause she knows what the words are saying. Cause he's basically saying like, you know, you're not for, you're like a forbidden love. And, exactly. It's and like, it, come yeah. on. Why would you play that? Why would uh, you be so excited? Hey, I got this new song. You want to hear it? Yeah, I know. It's, I slept with somebody else. What a way to what a way to find out. And he like, I love when he like walks away and he like slams the glasses. Like, He's dude, like, you are completely in the wrong. Exactly. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? Because you're such a mind reader. It's in all your lyrics, dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's that's a, such a crappy way. right. Yeah. So let me. So basically, like, because the relationship between Dave and Greta is what spurs her to tell Dan, okay, let's record an album and kind of like, yeah, let's, cause she was going to leave. Right. And so they record the album and then uh, she, he wins a, uh, Dave wins an award. So she does that video uh, phone message to him. Where right. She's singing the song, which is a great song, which, which she's, you know, telling him off. And then he hears it and he wants her back because he's upset. And, and so in the beginning of the thing, you have that lost star song where she wrote and he, and, he redoes it and she doesn't like it because he's a, it's no emotion. He made connection. it a pop star and it's originally a ballad. Right. Right. So then he's like, come back. To, I'm getting somewhere. So he's like, come back to, I want you I'm playing, come to the Gramercy or whatever. And she watches him play and he wants her to get up on stage. And then she doesn't. And I'm curious, like why you think like she didn't like, what was like, I, I, I kind of have an idea. I'm right. Just kind of, well, she's listening to the song and he starts out playing it. Like it's acoustic. It's nice. But then he hits the, the main chorus and it cut, gets back. You know, she realizes he's in love with the audience. He does. That's what I got. Yeah. Still brings it back to that poppiness. And he sees, she sees all the people fawning over him and he's in love with, like Dan said, being a rock star. Right. And people who are in love with being a rock star can't be in love with anything else. Mm -hmm. And she realizes that and walks away because that's not what she wants. That's not what she yeah. wants. And that's not clearly not what Dave doesn't clearly want Greta more than he wants the audience. Right. Right. And to be fair, uh, you know, that song is going to be on his album. She's got the full, she's got the writing credit on it. She's going, she's not like, she's going to be a star because she's, or she's going to start getting paid to write. Songs. Oh, for right. Yeah. So, sure. You know, uh, she gives away at the end of the movie where they have like a tag where she wants to give the album away for a buck, which I thought she was don't want to make it $2. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And when Saul comes in, he's like, you know anything about this? Don't anybody, no, I don't know anything about this. I bet you clutch a locker. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was good too. 
But I thought Adam Levine did a pretty good job as Dave. For oh, he's really good. Who, like never did a film before and stuff. I thought he did a really good job. I especially like the emotion that is on his face when he looks back at the end of that concert and realizes that she's gone. Yeah. But he's also kind of high on. He can't leave. The song. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of emotion on his face. I'm like that. That's something that most actors who are just professional actors right. couldn't pull off. And he pulled that expression. Like, he, like I was like. That's really impressive. That one facial expression right. of that defeat and acceptance. I was like, damn. Well, that's like, this is his first film, I think. And he hasn't really been in everything, anything. No. It's just all the music videos and stuff like that. I but think that, he maybe was in one thing before But you this. see him in skits and stuff like that. And obviously the SNL sketches and stuff like that. He's, he, you know, he's done all that stuff. Right. But I don't, I mean, I would assume that the sky's the limit for him if he wants to do other roles. I think staying within the music wheelhouse that kind of i think that probably helped oh yeah you know what i mean for sure yeah i mean you believe him as a music star you oh, of course him. he's singing the songs clearly and playing the guitar right i like how they introduce him where you first see him he's got the glasses on he's clean shaven he comes in he's like kind of a nerd oh boy and then yeah the next time you see him he's got the mustache and he's wearing and he's talking about the the tea oh i love Watch it yeah i kind of like it samurai's drink this like you, you could tell like it's like happening you know yeah. what i mean but I then mean, yeah so yeah, but then he goes full douche when he gets the hat and that's when i guess <laughs> when you knew that he cheats on her because like as soon as he comes in with the hat i'm like oh you're a son of a bitch <laughs> like that is such a that's the douche cap <laughs> so i know that there's like a anti-james corden sentiment out there for some reason these days which yeah, is fine but but did you like him in this? I love, I like James Corden. I yeah. don't get why everybody doesn't like James Corden. He seems like an honestly nice guy. Yeah. And he plays his role as Steve really, really well. I yeah. really like when you, you first meet Steve and he's playing in the park and he thinks his song is a thank you. And he looks up and no one's watched him. <laughs> and he's got that look at the feet. Like, and I love his line about the, the bed when he's doing his tour to the apartment. And that's the bed. No, I usually just, you know, I lunch. It's just a single lunch, not even a pole. I just go for it. <laughs> but it's really when I'm drunk, it's more of a dismount. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I really like Steve in this movie. And I like James Corden in general. Okay. And when I saw when he started doing the, um, the Late Late Show, I was a little disappointed because I like him in films like this. Mm-hmm. And that means he's just going to be, you know, a talk show host. Yeah. Like you kind of lose tough. him as, a, as, a, as an actor. Well, once you become a... You're you become a celebrity more than you become an actor. I think I think there's a little bit more of a people. I guess I don't know. Want to be more negative? I, I don't know. Sure, whatever. It's I, easy to hate on uh, talk show hosts too. It's easy to hate. On that. <laughs> it's easy to hate on anybody who's doing stuff that you probably want to do with your life, and you just it's rather much easier just to you know make fun of them. <laughs> right. Not you, but you know you in the Vosotros form. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Field. Do you hear that? What is it? The sound of. Uh, Cash coming our way. <laughs> it's right. time to talk about some sponsors. Uh, okay. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O. Co. And remember to be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. I love the line when she, you know, I like when they're in the bar and he's telling, she's like, wants to be authentic and authenticity. Oh, and I love that line. Yep. And he's like, name me one authentic actor, authentic uh, performer. And she says, Dylan. And he shoots her down that she's like, Randy Newman. He's like, I fucking love Randy Newman. You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> that's great I, I love his honesty also when when he first goes i want to i want to represent you and then she's like no thanks so he goes all right 
and he's waiting for outside. If I wanted to represent you, I can't. He just leaves it all in the line. Yeah. I thought that was great. Well, that's what she wants, though. I think that's, you know. I think that he realizes that because he is a good. That's the thing. Like right off the bat, when he sits there and he tells her about like, even when he hands you the card, you're like, wow, he's clearly a good agent. Obviously, he's down his luck, but he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And he's got the schmooze. He knows what he's doing. I like that the character of Dan isn't so impossibly out of touch with the industry. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I want you to be the authentic you. I want you to be like, he's never like that. He's like, we're going to get you a card again. We're going to do this. Like that conversation where he's yeah. because he knows that that's, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can, you can want to be as, as authentic as you want, but it's not how it works. Right. And they never have that moment, which a lot of like feel good movies like this would have where you have to be you. It's all about being yeah, you. Yeah. Like, it's like, you still got to kind of, you, it's a give and take relationship. No, it you is. still got to yeah. do some stuff. Um, and I, I really like that about Dan. Yeah, no, he's he's extremely smart. And the whole thing when they go see Trollagum and he tells her, you know, everybody else, I'm the only reason I have all this is because of him. And people just forget that because, right. you know, he's uh, had a couple of bad years. Right. And people just don't realize. And it, but then I'm thinking to myself, then why aren't you helping him? Like, then why aren't you bringing him into the fold? Probably because Dan's probably a little bit more self-destructive. And, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan probably doesn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think CeeLo Green is also really good in this movie. He is. I mean, you know. He is. Uh, the the other thing I like in this film is the relationship between Violet and Dan. It's it's not over, it's not overdone. It's not like in your face. Like he has that one conversation where they 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 have the fight with the, with his wife about how well, the way she dresses, right? And you know, and she and his wife's just like you know, thirty seconds after you're gone, we don't think about you, you know, stuff like that. Knowing what happened, I'm just like I can't help but like feel for Dan because he's clearly just you know his whole life was blown up and he just can't figure it out. Right. Um, well at that point, I mean, you've seen the movie before, but at that point I didn't know why right, they broke up. So right. it was tough for me. I, I didn't know if it was Dan's fault or her fault. Right. And usually in movies, it's the guy's fault. Right. So I was, I was like, I didn't feel bad for Dan in that scene. I got you. Plus he doesn't know how old she is. Yeah. He, he, well, he's cause he's just clearly all over the place. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a mess. And he has the, he has that conversation with the way she dresses and then he goes and you could see obviously as he's doing the videos with, or doing the recordings, excuse me, with Greta, you know, he, you know, when you, it's almost like you have that one part of your life where it's separate and you keep your family separate from that. You don't ever have them meet, but right. having them meet is what makes you guys closer together. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, come on. She, you know, Greta's the one like Violet should come on and play. And he's just like, no, no, she's not good. And she, and she's like, I want her on. And then she, he's like, okay, let, let's have her do it. And yeah. So I think, but when they start playing together and she's playing the guitar and he's playing the bass, I think that moment right there, you don't need a two and a half minute, three minute piece of dialogue or scene. Right. You know what I mean? You just need what they're doing because you already know what that means. And again, that goes to the whole message of, you know, what music can do within a story. And it's like, that's that scene right there probably saved you five, five minutes of movie that probably would have been melodramatic and we wouldn't have enjoyed it. And we've been like, okay, here we go. Like, so it's, I think Carney does a lot, uh, does a really good job of using the music, uh, even using like the silence and using like pauses and just looks to convey what he's trying to say without getting it overblown. Like there's less is always more. And I don't know. I just appreciate that watching this film. No, for sure. And that was evident in Sing Street as well. A lot of the times, yeah. uh, especially between, uh, I can't remember the characters' names, but the 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 our main character and his older brother. There were a lot of scenes like that in that film. And in this film, there's a lot between Violet and Dan, yeah. um, and Greta and Dan. There's a lot said between their their looks and their expressions, especially that whole scene where they're listening to each other's playlist. Right. There's very little other than that at the end when they talk about the pearls. 
Yep. Um, and how music stops a banal life or whatever. The rest of it's just no converse, no dialogue. Yeah. It's just them listening to each other's music kind of sinking and becoming like it, it, closer together. And it's also having the audience fall in love with the city just like they are like, you know, exploring oh, the city, yes, you know, it absolutely. makes New York city more of like, we talked about the character, but just kind of like reinforces that with the two people involved and the audience kind of like within sync. And you guys, it, it without you knowing it, as somebody who's watching it, it makes you root for them that much more. And it does a good job of making that connection with Dan and Greta and you watching it. Whereas you want the ending that happens at the end. You want that to happen. Absolutely. Right. Um, and speaking of the city, you know, we didn't really get over, like, I really like the way the city is represented in this film. Sure. I really like that. Uh, a lot of it's the subway, but a lot of it's just on the street. It's, it's always on the characters. It's always on the street level. They very other than the one the rooftop rooftop where they are kind of next to the statue, but that's uh, the which is Empire nice. Staple. Yeah, yeah, it's a very nice shot, and they still don't focus too much on that. You know, you never get these big wide shots of, oh, here's the Empire State Building, and and here's the Freedom Tower, and all that. It's just you just get what New York City looks like when you're walking through the street, right? When you're at the shops, when you're at the the local Quickie Mart kind of thing, when all that kind of stuff is really nice, and and for. Like I, we've discussed in the podcast a sure. bunch of times, we live very close to New York City. We, uh, like I, pre-pandemic, used to go there all the time. That's more what New York City is to me when mm -hmm. I walk through it, and that's I like seeing that in films. I like seeing all that stuff. Well, it's not a tourism tourist look at the city. It's right, New York exactly. City. It's yeah. people that live in New York City, and especially the scenes when they're leaving the bar at night and there's nobody around. You know what I mean? And they're yes. just walking like that stuff. Like that's, uh, that's, I'm very familiar with that. You know, that walk, that long walk back to the, to your apartment. And uh, yeah, the night shots in the city, everyone always like crowds up their, their mm -hmm. shots at night in New York city and New York city at night just closes. Yeah. Like, certain, certain sections. It's yeah. not the city that, you know, never sleeps. It, it, most it, of it sleeps, Yeah, you know, shops close and you never get that shot where it's just two people walking in New York city pretty much alone. <laughs> well, go town, go to, uh, Go to Wall Street at night. There's nothing going on there. Oh, yeah. Because thing, nobody's yeah. running. Yeah. It's absolutely. just business. It's just yeah. uh, firms and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. What did you think of Dave's beard? <laughs> what what Steve is saying about the beard makes makes absolute sense. Absolutely, oh grows a beard like he just didn't know he was so busy oh, working oh that the god. beard just is showed that up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it was it was awful. It was, it, was, it was awful. I've noticed it changes though. Did you notice it changes? No. So when he first meets her in the diner, when Dave first meets Greta in the diner and they talk it over, his beard is ridiculous and clearly looks pasted on. And then when they get to the park bench scene, his beard is shaved down and looks more natural. Uh, yeah. Beard. Is that the same day? It's the same day. They're just walking around listening to each other's songs. It's indie. It's probably yeah. an indie film. I thought I was like, like well, you, was that I, a reshoot maybe? I don't think the, well, maybe, but I don't think the beard was original to begin with i think oh no it was absolutely yeah. a pasted on beard, yeah yeah but so, it looks super fake there and then when they're in the park bench it looks more like a real beard and i do know adam levine at one point had a beard so maybe, i wonder if it was a reshoot and they different were like, makeup person on hmu person on that night <laughs> listen we lost the beard what we lost it <laughs> i like i like when uh he goes and gets the pianist from the recital and he just, he just like walks out. sorry it's like good like luck girls seven year old Bye. girls like, yeah, it's like i quit sorry i'm out of here <laughs> yeah I, I i wasn't a huge fan of that i thought that was a little like unbelievable i was like that's clearly like an ocean 11's moment building your team yeah but i don't mind it because I they didn't they do it i didn't mean to cut you off but they do it non-linear like you you see them right and, and then like, they go they, back and, and they, they go back and they, yeah so I, I thought that was interesting 
I, I like when Dan asked Troublegum, I need some musicians. I need a bass player and a drummer. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I got you, but I can't pay them. I'll, I'll pay him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'll pay him. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because I, I owe this guy everything. Yeah. Again, that's going back to that, but I yeah. like that shot, that scene as well. There's not much in this movie I don't like, if anything. I can't think of. The only thing, the only negative I have about this movie is learning that they didn't get along. Other, you know what I mean? Like everything yeah. else about this movie, I like. I, I like. I like the music. I like the songs. I like the performances. I like. I don't. I just like the. Uh, there's an honesty and uh, a genuine nature to uh, the storytelling in this film that I've got zero problems with. So I've got. I, I apologize that I've got nothing bad to say about this movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I yeah. guess. No. I mean, it's not. I mean, I would assume that not, it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? I Is it not for everybody? I mean, if you're a cold son of a bitch, I guess it's not for you. <laughs> if you're someone who I, I can only watch hack, hack and slash horror films or I can only hack watch slash horror like films. if you're like this big horror guy and you're just like, I only watch horror. That's all I can watch. Yeah. But this movie is just nice. It's not a romantic drama. It's not a it's it's just a nice film. And if you can't every once in a while appreciate a nice film then something is 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 wrong with you. Tell him, Butler. This film is really good and it's really nice. And the characters are all relatable and real. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I would recommend this movie to anybody. Yeah. Like it, you have to be in a particular, if you're not in the mood, if you're in the mood for, you know, a popcorn flick, yeah, maybe not this, but this is also not like a boring indie drama. This is not like a, your typical indie movie. And it's this not a saccharine, watchable. It's, it's not, not saccharine yeah. feel good film either. It's not sappy. I don't like those films. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And I don't like films that are overly nice and unrealistic. Yeah. This movie is nice, but not in a fake way. Well, do you think that that's part of the reason why maybe it's forgotten? Like why we're saying it's forgotten. I don't think it's a summer film. It's not a summer film. Even though it's shot in summer, that's great. I think it's more of a spring film. Yes. Maybe like when the this, winter saw that kind of thing. This movie would have been great in April. Yeah, I agree. It's got stars. It's got Mark Ruffalo. It's got Kieran Knightley. It's got James Corden, who had just come out of Into the Woods at this point, I believe. So people know around there. But the other thing is, like, this movie made money, like oh, compared to sure, based yeah. on, compared to its budget. Like, if you take the production budget of eight million and it was sell for seven, so fifteen, let's say fifteen million there. Let's even if I add on another five for marketing, which is probably not anywhere close to what they did for marketing. Sixty-five million worldwide is not bad. Oh, not at yeah. all. This. It made money, but it didn't make much money here. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like in the summer uh, here, getting a, getting a wide release in the summer here. And it's then bad. Yeah. And the fact that it gets a re-release in August tells you that they were just like, hey, let's put it back out again and see if it does anything. I just think. Um, they should have re-released in September. Yeah. It's it's domestic release, whatever, uh, not schedule, but release strategy failed this movie. Not saying that it's not going to make. It's not going to make more money opening weekend if it was in April or whenever we think it should be. But it would have gotten more attention. Yeah, but middle of July, this is not the movie that people want to see when they're at the theaters. Absolutely. So no, I think I think it's not a great film for the summer. I think that probably added. It's almost like this is forgotten domestic and not worldwide. You know what I mean? Well, the other thing is a lot. This movie would do really well on like an FX or on TV more often after the fact. And I think that whoever owned, I guess, the Weinstein Company, which, by the way. Every time I see that pop up now, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm like, oof, not good looks. <laughs> I um, but they should have, I think they could have pushed the television, um, selling it the TV rights and stuff like that would have gotten it more noticeability, probably would have gotten gotten it more money uh, on the back end after it released on right. the video. I'm telling you right now, changing the title didn't help. Don't do that. Go back. 
to change. Did they change the title afterward? I thought I, that I was the original title. No, no, no. That was the original time when he wrote the script, and then it was Begin Again, and then now when you when I searched for it, which I had we talked about before, it's a, it's can a song save your life? That's what they're calling it, it now. Oh God, why? I don't know. The whole movie is Begin Again is perfect because they want because they're beginning listen, again. I know, they're rebuilding their life. I know. Listen, it's simple. Two when words. you meet John Carney, you can tell him that. Listen, John Carney, <laughs> I have loved all your films that I have seen so far, and I think all the films you've made. That's a terrible title. <laughs> As a huge fan of your work, <laughs> come well, on. Now tell, now tell John Carney where he can find us. Uh, he can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, he can also find us on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on all those. Uh, we post every day of the week and we have fun commercials every Thursday. Check those out. Uh, and we're available wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to us right now. Feel free to drop a subscribe or a like or Hey, a review always helps. <laughs> We're on the Facebooks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making our MySpace account tomorrow. Oh, God. <laughs> Yet another account to do. Uh, so... Uh, Forgotten Summer rolls along next week. We're doing, we're actually coming towards the end here. Next week, we'll be doing the uh, director's cut of Miami Vice. Yeah. 2006. A little worried because I don't know if I can find this movie. I've seen the original. This is the one with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx and directed mm -hmm. by Michael Mann, which we, he's a big, we like on the show here. Uh, but I don't, number one, I don't think I've ever seen a director's cut. And number two, I don't know if I can find it. I think the only home video version is director's cut. So really? yes, hmm. I'm pretty sure. Great. I hope I can find this movie because <laughs> the next week's episode is just going to be me going. Uh, that's what happened now. What the did big, I miss? The big uh, difference is at the end. So okay, I can um, let me just try to remember like what happens in the end of the director's cut. Man, I, 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 I don't, haven't seen this movie since probably 2006. That's another thing. I haven't seen this movie in 15 years. The actual the director's cut has in the air tonight. So if you go to the end fight and they're leading up to the end fight and in the air tonight plays, it's okay. It's the real. Well, shouldn't just say cut. director's cut? It should. Yeah. How long is the director's cut? Do you know offhand? It's not terribly long. Okay. It's longer though. Is it? Slightly. All right. So that's it. We're done talking about my advice and obviously talking about begin again. Uh, again, I'd like to throw out there that I do recommend you go see some, uh, watch some Mark Ruffalo older films, some, uh, some of his earlier stuff. You know, he's, he's more than just Bruce Banner and the Hulk. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I felt like throwing that out there, but, uh, he's also the guy in 13 going on 30. I like, At least that was I, like the, I like that movie. <laughs> I like that movie. What's wrong with that movie? You don't Nothing, like that movie? No, she, she loves that movie. That's it's a good movie. I always wish that movie was a little bit better, but it's a good movie. I like that movie. Good stuff. Good job, Elise. It's a good movie. Nice job. <laughs> nice job. All right. So uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Oh, wait a minute. Forgotten Summer. Ooh. Don't do that. That sounds stupid. <laughs> You know what I've noticed about a lot of your your picks mm -hmm. is uh, they don't belong in the summer. Well, for these summer films, it seems like my picks are kind of summerish kind of fair that seems to have been forgotten. Right. But yours all seem to be movies that would have absolutely fared better if they weren't in the summer. Well, that's why they're forgotten. Yeah, Croupier, Begin Again. Uh, what was the one last week? Last week's the we did uh, Last Action Hero. Oh, the one before that. <laughs> Your last pick. Oh, uh, the Baxter. The Baxter. All these films are just not summer films. And it seems like you had that. I, I don't know if you had that in mind, but that, that's what it seems like. Uh, these are all films that 
got destroyed by the summertime. Well, the heat of the summer. That's because <laughs> yeah, they they can't. There was a bad release date, probably. But yeah. also, you know what I remember is that you picked Call the Conqueror, and that's garbage. So you picked a garbage film. For but it was season. a summer film. You picked a garbage film, and I also okay? picked that because I thought your friend liked it. And I thought it was really weird that your friend liked it. Well, I thought so too. And then it was the wrong film. I thought so too. <laughs> you picked a garbage. You said I didn't pick a garbage. I'm film. not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything mean about it. I know you're not. I'm just, well, you're attacking my film. Well, I'm manufacturing, I'm manufacturing an argument so that people can like this episode more. (laughs) I just noticed that that seemed to be like what you're gravitating toward in terms of summer release that. Well, first of all, we threw these movies on the list and then I, we went through them all picking, okay, which ones had summer releases so that we, cause we were going to be like, oh, let's do a a summer themed season. Right, right. And I thought it was going to be because it was going to be like summary movies that people forgot about, but you're picking- these kind of movies, which is fine. I just think it's interesting that all these your picks kind have been of like films. that. The, what did I pick next? Hold on. Now I have to look at what I picked after my Miami Vice next week. Oh, Lone Star. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Further proving my point. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> I got to tell you, I am not looking forward to Titan AE. Uh, me neither, but you pin it on the list. I remember liking it when I was younger. I remember them making a big deal about it being a summer action movie, but in an animated form. So, right, right. I think it'll be an interesting thing to talk about its successes and failures. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That's all I wanted to bring up. 